This podcast is brought to you by the Creation Academy, an apologetics learning experience designed to teach, train, and inspire others to become strong defenders of the creation account presented in the Bible. Primarily, the Academy offers video and audio courses with downloadable PDF workbooks taught by a team of experienced creation researchers. But members of our exclusive Creation All Access program will also have access to expert interviews and Q&A sessions with creation scientists and apologists, all inside a private Facebook group where you'll fellowship and interact with a like-minded community of believers. We're excited to announce that enrollment is now open. The Academy does not officially launch until March 2019, but until then, you can get into Creation All Access for just $7 per month while we're adding new course material. Join today by going to www.creationcourses.com and clicking on Enroll Now. You're listening to The Steve Schramm Show, where we train Christians to become confident, passionate servants of Jesus so they can grow in their walk with God and share their faith more persuasively. We're excited that you decided to join us today. Hope you find yourself on a journey to become a more confident and passionate service, a, 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 a person in service of Jesus or a servant of Jesus. We find that this is exactly what the Apostle Paul uh, did. This is how he thought of himself. And um, so I think that's a good model for us going forward on how we are to think of ourselves. We're servants for Jesus. Um, we do encounter problems. You know, we're, on a, we're really, we're living in a story. We encounter lots of conflict. We encounter lots of unbelief. We lack confidence, certainly, in our ability to um, share what we believe. Sometimes we just um, lack the practical knowledge, right? The answers to the questions that people ask us when we share. And so I uh, really am on a mission here, especially as we go into 2019, to help you to become more confident, to help you to become more passionate. If you uh, are excited about what God's doing, if you're excited about the Bible, it's that much easier to share. You know, Zig Ziglar used to say that sales, ultimately, was nothing more than the transfer of enthusiasm. Now, get that picture. Sales, really, is nothing more than the transfer of enthusiasm. And there is a sense in which, um, you know, you are selling the gospel. Now, I don't want you to, to misinterpret my words there. Hopefully, you understand what I mean by the analogy. You are sharing the gospel, and ultimately, you want for somebody else to um, take hold of a spiritual realization that they are a sinner. When you share such a fact with them from the Bible, and you are uh, doing your witnessing, or however it is, maybe you're more of a of a gardener, as Greg Kogel um, would 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 say, than than you are a harvester, and that's fine. But the point is that you have a message of transformation to share, and uh, you want that to connect. And the more passionate you are about serving God, uh, other people can sense that in you, and um, it will certainly make your case all the more persuasive. So 
we are thankful uh, for you joining us and excited to talk about um, this week's uh, subject. Now, what we're going to be dealing with this week is how to love God. How to love God. Now, this is a maybe a little bit different kind of lesson um, than we normally have. Certainly, this is a, uh, a a giant departure in one sense from what we've covered for the past two um, episodes, which has been about insects, uh, God and the world of insects. Uh, however, we did learn about how great our Creator was, and of course, we just have uh, we're coming off the heels of Thanksgiving. That was a few weeks um, uh, uh, past now in the U.S., and um, so I think this is a great time, especially as we come up into the Christmas season, to talk about how to love God. Now, please don't tune me out because this sounds on the surface like a very uh, superficial kind of topic. To be honest, uh, um, I, I was hesitant to even name it this. However, it has more of a simple name. It was a, originally a Sunday school lesson that I had put together, and I've changed some things, adapted some things. Depending on how long we go, it may actually end up being a, a bit of a mini-series. It might be a couple episodes long um, on how how to love God. But we're going to look at this from a very deep perspective. We're going to see biblical things, obviously. We're also going to look at some philosophical notions. Uh, We'll bring in some scientific discussion at the same time. So I think this is going to be a little bit different kind of integrated study than we would normally do. And it is based on this Sunday school lesson that that I put together. So kind of in, in that vein, what I'm going to do is start uh, the lesson by reading uh, the passage where we're drawing our scripture from, just like if this was a sermon or, or, or a lesson, we're going to start by reading that. And then we're going to kind of unpack it uh, and, and talk about this for, uh, for a little while. Okay, how to love God. Now, the scripture that we're using is Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 10 and verse number 23 um, through uh, 27. Luke chapter 10 and verse number 23 to 27. So here's what the Bible says. And he turned him unto his disciples. Of course, this is Jesus here. And said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see the things that you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see those things which ye see, and have not seen them, and to hear those things which ye hear, and have not heard them. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up, and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy might, and thy neighbor as thyself. Now, if you read on a couple more verses, you'll find that Jesus affirms that, that rendering of the scripture. And of course, he's referring back to uh, the law he's referring back to in Deuteronomy, where we uh, are given this understanding, or Israel rather is given this understanding of 
how it is that they're to love God. And when I think about how to love God, um, the first thing that really comes to my mind is how can can a finite being like me love an infinite being like God? If I could for a moment just be real practical and down to earth with you here, um, this is something that I struggle with on an emotional level, on a very personal level. Um, Loving God, communicating with God, praying to God, um, that stuff does not come easily for me. Now, uh, studying about God, learning more about God, um, even in in a certain sense, you know, studying uh, the Bible, uh, reading lots of theology, things like that. These are all things that um, are not very problematic for me. Um, in other words, I uh, if, if I had nothing uh, to do all day but learn more about God, I think I'd be perfectly happy. And um, so. I, what I'm trying to say there is that the more I learn about God, uh, the more it humbles me because I know me. I know the kind of person I am. And not only am I small, not only am I finite, not only am I created and God uncreated, but I realize the biblical teaching about the kind of person I am in virtue of my fallen nature. I have no uh, delusions about that at all. And all of these things place um, such a wide chasm between us as created folks and God. And, you know, sometimes when you're talking to people, maybe, um, maybe they're not the kind of person who immediately has intellectual doubts, but perhaps they're the kind of person who is emotionally at rock bottom. And they realize that uh, that they are uh, a sinner, and they begin to realize the goodness of God. And maybe they're, oh, I don't know, I mean, what's an extreme example? Maybe they're in prison or something like that. Maybe they've done some awful, terrible things. Do you Do you really think, they ask, that God could love somebody like me could could god could god really save somebody like me could he really redeem somebody like me and having been a christian since i was 4 years old there's at least one part of me that cannot even relate to that question just to be honest with you i don't know what it's like um, not to be a son of God. Now, a lot of people can't say that. And I'm, I want to say, first of all, that I'm thankful for that. I didn't have to go through a lot of the things that many people have to go through. I, I literally, I don't even have any memory of what it was like not to be a son of God. The, the first memory, really vivid memory that I have is of the time when I got saved. I remember it. I mean, I could take you there. I could take you to the scene. I could take it who was there, um, right? So uh, understand this. It is the earliest memory I have. I don't know what it's like not to be a son of God. 
and so there's a sense in which I can't relate to somebody when they say, gosh, could, could God really save somebody like me? Uh, for all I know, God could save anybody because he did save me. And of course, I, I believe that uh, scripturally speaking. But but then there's a sense in which I, I can identify completely with what they're saying. Because the more I learn about God, the more I realize how undeserving of his love that I really am. And um, that humbles me. And so I understand this question. Uh, and it's bothered me. Uh, because because I do have such trouble connecting with God sometimes on a more uh, personal level. And so that's part of our relationship that I really have to work at. And so um, what I kind of wanted to do in this particular uh, study for myself, just as much as for the class I was teaching and just as much as for you, um, I wanted to maybe understand the mechanics of loving God a little better. Now, of course, there are explicit statements in Scripture, uh, statements in, in, in Scripture that help us to identify how to love God, um, at, at least on the face of it, right? I mean, we have a verse. Thou shalt love, how do you love God? Well, here's the answer. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind. But it's easy to gloss over that and just think, oh, well, that obviously means I'm just supposed to love God with everything that I am. And I think there's a sense in which it does mean that. However, each of those things are distinct kinds of things. Um, your heart is not your strength. Your mind is not your heart, even though in biblical terms there there may be some parallels. So we'll talk about that. Uh, your strength is not your soul. Your heart is not your soul. These are distinct things. And I began to reflect on that. And I began to think, well, you know, these are different aspects of our of, of our being. But where does our being come from? Well, we are made in the image of God. Thus, our we are the reflection, in a sense, of another being. We're um, different in certain attributes than God. Uh, God has chosen, however, to communicate some of his attributes, at least in some way, to us. And when reading this, I, I just began to think about the fact that these are attributes that are attributes of God that um, that I believe we possess as well in a limited sense. So, um, who is God? That's the question that I started out with in the intro of my of my Sunday school lesson, uh, and and so I want to pose the same rhetorical question for you here today. I want you to think about it. Who is God? Well. Uh, according to Scripture, uh, and we're not going to make the case for each of these um, from Scripture because I think it's evident to anybody who studied the Bible for any period of time, God is a person. He is a spiritual being. The Bible actually explicitly states that God is a spirit. God is also, uh, to use a philosophical term, 
maximally great. Uh, the Bible makes claims like he was and is and is to come. Um, he is the Alpha and Omega. Um, talking about Jesus in John 1, the Bible says that in the beginning was the Word or the Logos. Okay, so uh, the Bible starts with the presumption that God exists, or I should say the assumption that God exists and that he is a separate created thing, or he is, he is separate from the created things which he created. The Bible later says that all things were created by him and for him. We can read about that in Revelation 4.11, but in the very beginning of the Bible, it says, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Okay, so um, we understand that God is maximally great. Now, he has uh, a few attributes. We often call these the omni attributes, but we can think about it like this. He is omnipotent or omnipotent, we would say. He is also omnipresent, all right? Um, He is also omniscient. Omniscient, this simply means all-knowing. And, of course, omnipresent, that's all-present, right? Now, there are some who would contest this, particularly those of a different, bit different um, camp of theology that I find myself in. Uh, but I believe that God is omnibenevolent. Omnibenevolent. That is, I believe that that God um, is all loving. I believe that in every aspect of His being, that God is um, is loving. I think God loves in judgment. I think God loves in grace. God loves in mercy. In everything God does, um, there is love. All right? Now, um, this is interesting, uh, these things, because it, it seems like these are the areas that the Bible speaks to when it says that we are to love God. Um and so if we asked another question then, who are we? Well, we are a person, just like God is. We are a spiritual being as well, just like God is. Of course, we have a physical nature as well, but we are a spiritual being, ultimately. We are also not maximally great, but we are made in God's image. So like I said, that means certain of his attributes are given to us, what theologians call the communicable attributes of God. So, let's reflect on the ones that we've mentioned. Uh, We, of course, are not omnipotent. We are not omnipotent. However, we do have power. We are given power. Um, God upholds us. He upholds this universe. We as beings have the power to 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 um, to cause effects within the universe. We have um, we have strength. There is a um, different kinds of things going on there. There is physical strength. There is mental strength. But ultimately, God says to love Him with all of our strength. But that's interesting. Because it seems like we only have strength because it is one of those attributes that God has given us. Thus, God has given us an attribute that makes us in some measure like him, 
to help us love him? What about omnipresent? Or omnipresent? I realize I'm, I'm going back and forth between those two things. Uh... Don't blame me for that, okay? Down here in the South, they typically say omni, and up in the North, where uh, where I'm f- from, I spent most of my life up there in New Jersey, uh, they tend to say omni up there. So I'm just going to throw them around interchangeably. Uh, but nevertheless, omnipresent. Um, that is, all present. All right? We are not all present, but we are present. We are here. We are beings. And of course, I liken that to the soul. We have a immaterial soul, I would argue. Okay? That's my view. And we have an immaterial soul. So we are here. We are present. We exist within this universe, but not just physically. We, uh, we are self-aware. We are aware of, our, um, of ourselves. And this is what sometimes people call consciousness. Um, and some of these terms can be interchanged and thrown around as long as you define them. But generally, people understand our state of, of, of being to be associated with our soul, our life, our nefesh, um, to use the Hebrew term. Okay, so um, that is what's going on there. All right, now, God is omnipresent. He's present everywhere. Well, we're not present everywhere, but we're present where we are. Right? We're here, we're present where we are. So thus, this is another attribute that God has given us that is like God that allows us finite beings to connect with this infinite being, God, at least in some measure. All right, what about omniscient? God is all-knowing. Well, we're not all-knowing, but we can know some things. Thus, the Bible says that we are to love God with all of our mind. And then finally, omni. Uh, benevolent. Now, when the Bible uses the term heart, of course, in especially in the New Testament, it is referring to essentially the seat of our emotions, and it certainly says that uh, the heart is an apparatus that we can love with in that sense, because right here we have it. Love God with all your heart. Um, we have that. And so, uh, God is all-loving. He is omnibenevolent. Now, we are not omnibenevolent. We are not all loving. We couldn't possibly be because that would make us maximally great, therefore God, and then that would be a logical contradiction. No such thing as two maximally great beings. All right, so um, we're not all loving, and of course there's plenty of evidence of that, but we can love. And we get that attribute from God, and again, this, this allows a finite being like us to be able to connect to the infiniteness of God. And this gets all the more real when we start talking about becoming a son of God, being adopted into the family of God. And these are different biblical themes that we're not going to uh, touch on in this study, but we can now begin to see a picture forming that allows us to understand, at least at some level, what it might be like to love God. And I love what Dr. Kurt Wise has said in summing up some of these attributes of God. In his book, Faith, Form, and Time, I love this, quote, As currently defined, the universe contains all matter, space, and time. The beginning of the physical universe is the beginning of matter, material space, and physical time. The cause of the universe, then, must have caused the beginning of all matter, material space, and physical time. This means that the cause of the universe was independent of these 
three things. Since it was independent of matter, the cause of the universe seems to have been non-physical. Since it was independent of space, the cause of the universe seems to be both outside the universe and at every place within the universe. Transcendent, imminent, all-present. Since it was independent of physical time, the cause of the universe seems to be unchanging, always present, and eternal. Close quote. Man, I mean, that is the God we serve. And yet, yet we see that God has given us the ability to love him, to connect with him in these ways by communicating some of his attributes to us. Now, um, moving forward a little bit then, we see, of course, that this was part of the Mosaic Law. We saw this in Deuteronomy 6.5, where the Bible says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. Now, we realize, too, that we are to interpret Scripture with Scripture. We also realize that Christ affirmed the New Testament definition that we're using, and that Christ is the best interpreter of the law, because Christ is the very fulfillment of the law. Now, we are given very specific instructions, as Israel was, as a chosen nation, given very specific instructions on how to love God. And lest we, f- lest we think that these are just esoteric things that, that um, simply mean to love God with all of your being, I think this deeper reflection is warranted to see how, in, in what ways do those different capacities um, allow us to love God? What, what does the Bible say about them? These are specific instructions, like I mentioned, that have a deeper meaning rooted in who God is and in who we are. Now, let's talk about love. Let's talk about love for for a moment here. Um, the, the word love that is being used here in this particular verse is the word agapao. Agapao. Now, in Greek, um, Greek is a a, a much more precise language uh, than English is. Um, There are, in fact, four different uh, words for uh, love that could be translated into the English as love, and they have very uh, distinct kinds of meanings. Um, There is eros. Now, this is romantic or um, erotic love. There is storge, which means familial or uh, brotherly love. There is phileo, phileo, which means um, friendly type of love. And then there is agape, or uh, the love of God, specifically sacrificial love. So the kind of love that uh, God has for us is agape love. I love how John MacArthur summarizes the fullness and the significance of this particular word. Quote, it expresses the purest, noblest form of love, which is volitionally driven, not motivated by superficial appearance, emotional attraction, or sentimental relationship. Close quote. Um, That is, this is the kind of love that is what we might call unconditional. When, when, when God loves us, he loves us with an unconditional 
type of love. And I think it's interesting to see, now that we know the kind of word that is being used here, because you understand that God is asking us to return this kind of love to him. God does not uh, want the kind of love that we have for our wives. As a matter of fact, God says that we ought to strive to love our, our spouses with the same kind of love that we love God, which is this agapao, this this sacrificial type of love. We're not to love God with a storge or a brotherly love. God is not my bro. He's not my homeboy. He's not the big man upstairs. He's God, the eternal, transcendent, imminent, all-present, all-powerful, all-knowing creator and giver of life. That's who God is. When we start to get a biblical understanding of just how this word for love is used, it's really mind-boggling. One writer has given us 18 different ways. Here they are. First of all, this love is commanded by believers. And there are scripture references for all of this. Um, I, I, I'm not going to read each one out to you. There's plenty of scripture for each one of these things. Um, but it would take forever to give you all the scripture references for them, okay? So this is the sort of love, according to the Bible, that is commanded by believers. It's empowered by the Holy Spirit in the heart of the surrendered saint. It's commanded of spirit-filled husbands for their wives, even as Jesus demonstrated for his bride, the church, giving himself up for her. Uh, It's to be given in the same way that spirit-filled husbands love their own bodies. It's the love with which the Father loved the Son, and which may be in believers. It's a debt we are to always seek to repay, but can never fully discharge It is taught by God. It is manifested by specific actions and attitudes. It's shown not just by words, but by deeds. And it's also, in some cases, uh, shown in action as as a manifestation of genuine faith. It's manifested by keeping God's commandments. It's the response Jesus called for one to demonstrate to his or her enemies. Sometimes I find it hard to love my friends let alone my enemies. And yet we're to love our enemies with the same kind of love that we're to strive to love God with? Convicting. It's the response. Uh, uh, well, that's what we just mentioned. It's, it's also the love that calls uh, for one to love one's neighbor as one's self. It's the love that seeks the recipient's highest good, not activated by virtue in the recipient. That is, it is undeserved. It's not based on affection, sentiment, or emotion, but upon a decision of the will. It's given or offered, even if the love is not received or reciprocated. It differs from the phileo love we mentioned, which is based on affection and is the other kind of love most prominently used in the old, uh, excuse me, the New Testament. It's the love that finds its perfect expression in Jesus Christ and the cross, and it's the love of the overcomers in Revelation who did not love their life even to death. To love this way is a tall, tall task. And this is the love with which we're supposed to love God in these different areas. Our heart, our soul, our strength, and also our mind. 
We're going to wrap it up here today. And when we return next week, we will begin unpacking these notions individually. What does it mean to love God with all your heart? What does the Bible say about the heart, uh, the soul, and so forth? I don't know how far we'll get. We may only get through the heart and the soul, so it might be a three-part deal. Um, But I wanted to really communicate the idea of love. I wanted to set the scene for you today to understand how big God is, but how God has also communicated to us in a certain way that we can communicate this love back to Him. But it's important to know what kind of love we're talking about. So now that we've got that down, when we return next week, we will begin looking at the heart and likely also the soul. And who knows, we may be able to go further, but we'll see. All right. Thank you uh, again for, for choosing to join us. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you today and want to say thanks for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you for everything, Lord, that you have uh, given us. And uh, we're so undeserving, Lord, of your love, of the fact that you um, have uh, allowed us to love you, of the fact that you've given us power and strength and and, and being and, and a soul and a mind to think rationally. Uh, Father, these are gifts, ultimately, from you that you did not have to bestow upon us, but you did. And we love you for that, and we thank you for that, Father. Now, as we uh, explore your word in this study and look at even parallels, Lord, with your world and um, the way that you created and um, who you are, Father, uh, I pray that you would guide us. Um, allow your spirit, Lord, uh, just to, to teach us all things, uh, to show us the truth about this study, Lord. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, folks, I appreciate you joining again. Uh, Hey, if you want to learn how to become a more persuasive, confident, uh, passionate servant of Jesus, I wish you'd go to steveshram.com slash defend, steveshram.com slash defend. We want to give you a uh, free email course, four lessons long, although you'll get six initial emails. We want to give you that to help you grow in your walk with God and share your faith more persuasively. Thanks again for joining us this week on the podcast. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Hey everyone, it's Steve. I wanted to jump in just at the end here and uh, tell you about something. Um, If you noticed, the intro to this week's episode was a little bit different than it has been in the past, and I didn't say anything about it at the beginning of the podcast. Uh, That's because since I have recorded this podcast episode, um, I actually uh, launched the Creation Academy um, kind of impromptu to uh, those who had signed up on the wait list, and I also wanted to present it to you guys as well. Now, I'm going to take a bit more time next week, in next week's lesson, to to explain this uh, at the front of the lesson, uh, to, to tell you a little bit more about how things are working now and some of the developments. But I just wanted to let you know, um, to reiterate what I said at the very, very beginning of this episode, that um, the Creation Academy is now open for 
enrollment. There's not a huge course library out there right now. There's one course uh, uh, other than the one that you would sign up uh, for the Creation All Access. Um, but uh, it's looking like when Creation All Access uh, officially launches in March, uh, there's, there's going to be a good library of course material to start with. And we're probably going to have to charge quite a bit more than this introductory price. But I promised this introductory price. I've been talking about it for some time now. And so I want to give everyone uh, an ample opportunity who's been a listener, a longtime listener of the podcast, a reader of the blog, an opportunity to get involved in the Creation Academy for just $7 per month. So I encourage you to go to creationcourses.com to check that out and uh, listen in next week for a little bit more detailed explanation on how things are uh, going with that and uh, how you can get involved. All right. Love you guys. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.